Hey, uh, first of all, I want to welcome all the kids, everybody who's obviously five and older uh, is in here. Matter of fact, kids, if you didn't notice, you can grab your little follow-along sheet today. Um, we're doing this as a result of our VBS, so for those of you who uh, may be your first time or kind of checking out, obviously our decoration or our stage decoration is not normal um, like this, but uh, it's a great opportunity. You know, one thing I can tell you is this, that our kids are bombarded by all kinds of of, of messages, right, and attacks that Satan is kind of unleashing uh, on our kids. And, and I really believe it's something that's going on in the world. And so as you follow along today, we're going to be in Psalm 25. As you follow along, kids, there's a number of things you'll notice. There's going to be some uh, things here that you're going to find out about what God's character is, who God is. So as we go through tough times, that's the whole idea of this theme is the twists and turns of life, right? How many of you, if I was to ask, Life turned out exactly how you expected it, would say, I got it, right? Right? Life is full of twists and turns, right? Things that we don't expect to happen, happen. Things that we expected to happen didn't happen, right? And those are the way, that's, that's in reality the way life works. And what we see is that all throughout Scripture, that the God's people went through twists and turns. They faced trials and struggles and difficulties, and that's really what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at Psalm 25, so if you have your Bibles, you can flip there. We're going to read uh, the first portion of it. We're going to kind of unpack most of that text, really all the text, um, and so it is a, a little bit long, but I want you to think about it in this way. Like, how do I walk through life with wisdom in difficulty? Right? This whole sermon series idea is being foolproof, right? That we would live with wisdom in a world of chaos. And so today's idea is this I want to live with wisdom in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of a storm or a trial. How do I live with wisdom? And so as you follow along, flip with me to Psalm 25. If you have a Bible, grab it, turn to it. If you don't, there's going to be uh, the scripture will be on the screen behind me. And uh, let's stand. As we read God's word real quick, we'll stand and then we'll, we'll jump into this. So listen to what he says. This is David. David has gone through a lot of trials, a lot of struggles. This is most likely even as David was older uh, in his kingship and things like this. But listen to what he says. He says, unto you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Matter of fact, I, I, I remembered an old song back in the day, unto thee, O Lord, uh, I, I, do I lift up my soul. I'm not going to sing it. Um, you don't want a repeat of Christmas Eve, um, but I, I want you to understand what's going on. But he says, unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. In you I trust, O my God. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one, say no one, no, no one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame. But they will be put to shame who are treacherous without excuse. Show me your ways, O Lord, and teach me your paths. That's the, the theme verse for VBS this week. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. Why? For you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, O Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you are good, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right. He teaches them his ways. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful for those who keep the demands of his covenant. 
For the sake of your name, O Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Who then is the man that fears the Lord? He will instruct him in every way or in the way chosen for him. He will spend his days in prosperity and his descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear him and he makes his covenant known to them. I want you to think about this. My eyes are ever on the Lord for he will release my feet from the snare. Turn to me and be gracious to me for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have multiplied. You ever feel like that? Like the troubles that weigh upon you have multiplied and become overbearing to you to the point where you feel what he says, free me from my anguish. Look upon my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. See how my enemies have increased and how fiercely they hate me. And then he says this, and I love how he wraps this up. Guard my life and rescue me. Let me not be put to shame for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me because my hope is in you. Redeem Israel, O God, from all their troubles. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for the truth of your word. And God, may we just gleam a glimpse, get a glimpse, a grasp of how we can deal with the twists and turns we face in life. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can have a seat. As you do, we're obviously kicking off our theme, this idea of twists and turns. And sometimes life takes unexpected twists and turns, and we go through difficulties and trials. And I want you to think about this way. Have you ever been in a trial that you knew that that's trial, this this struggle, this difficulty was a result of your sin or or maybe as a result of what we would say is the wrong things you chose to do, right? You ever been there? Like I've been there plenty of times where I chose to do some stupid things and as a result, I was facing a storm or a trial because of the stupid decision that I made in my life. Remember, I was joking about last week, but I talked about how oftentimes, you know, we look at this idea of foolishness and we want to be people who are wise, wise with God's word, wise with God's wisdom and things like that. But how many times in my life that I have made stupid decisions, <laughs> like dumb moves, that I knew were out of line with what God had called me to do, what, what God had shown me in his word. They were, they were things that he's like, listen, you go down this road, you're going to reap the consequences of what happens. And that's oftentimes what can happen. Because of our own sin, we end up in storms and trials. But I also want you to know this, that the truth of the matter is sometimes storms come as a result of immaturity or foolishness, but sometimes storms come just because that's life right? That we're surrounded by people while we are sinners, right? Even if we are in Christ, the Bible says that you and I are sinners and we're saved by grace and we're not to give sin a foothold or, 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 or give Satan a foothold so that sin becomes the thing we do, but we want to seek the Lord. But the Bible is also very clear. It says this, he who claims to be without sin is a liar and the truth is not in him. So listen, all of us are sinners. All of us deal with those things. But as a result of the sins of other people, sometimes we reap the consequences as well. So I look at it like this, and really what I believe Scripture teaches us. When somebody does what they know they shouldn't do, or maybe what they, they, they do out of foolishness or stupidity, like I'll, I'll use, let's say, drunk driving as an example. What led to maybe a drunk driving accident that led to maybe a loved one being killed? Was it because the person who was driving the car that was killed was a sinner? Was it because they had done bad things? Or was it the fact that just an individual sinned and as a result of his sin, he made a stupid decision that led to the death of somebody else? See, sin affects everybody. 
And oftentimes what we struggle with is this. God, why? Why should I go through these things? And so here's the big idea today. Here's what I want you to get, because James says it this way. James chapter 1, verse 2, and then in verse 5, it says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. That's his idea, many kinds, right? It doesn't say of one particular kind or another. He says, consider it joy whenever you face trials, because listen, you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. So listen, every storm and every trial and every difficulty you go through is God developing a perseverance in your faith that you learn to rely upon him. And that's exactly what David teaches us here. David is trying to communicate, listen, God, I understand and I see there are storms and trials are going on around me, but God, please let me remember who you are. Because here's the big idea, when life gets difficult... I need to trust God and remember who he is. That's exactly what David unpacks in Psalm chapter 25. When life gets difficult, I need to trust God and remember who he is. So kids, you're going to understand today, there's these statements right at the top that says God's character. We're going to get to that here in just a little bit. But when we get to the God's character part, I want you to fill those in. And then the the Bible bingo, this was Maria. Maria. Last time it was Gina. If you hear me say these words, kids, you can circle them and then you'll get your bingo thing. So come at the end of, uh, the, end of the service. We'll let you know what you, what you get. We'll get you some stuff set up. But listen, here's the big point. Again, when life gets difficult, I need to learn to trust God and remember who he is. Every storm I go through is an opportunity for God to give me or show me his faithfulness and his justice. So I want you to see three things today, and then we'll get into God's character. Number one is this. In life, we're going to experience trials, sometimes due to our own sin. That's what David says right at the start. What he's beginning to unpack is this, that when life gets difficult, I can trust God. That's why David starts off with this. Unto you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Oftentimes, here's what ends up happening. We go through a trial, we go through a struggle, we go through a difficulty, and we lift up our soul to whatever else brings what we feel is appropriate, what we feel we need. We lift up our soul to the voices of the people around us who speak into us and say things that maybe aren't biblical, but man, they sure sound good, right? And so we begin to do this, but I want you to know that in life, we're going to experience these trials. We're going to walk through the storms. And Listen to what David says in verse 3. I love this. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to what? Shame. Shame. Right? I want you to get this point here, and I think this is the biggest, a, a big struggle in most of our lives, is that when we go through storms, we go through trials, we go through struggles and difficulties, we're oftentimes embarrassed. It's like, I got to be a man, right? I need to suck it up and I need to, I need to hold it in. And I need to, when, when David is the very opposite, David's like, I'm not holding it in. I'm giving it over. I'm not going to sit on it and let it fester inside, but I got to talk about it, right? You realize that the whole, like uh, most of the Psalms were written by David. And if you were to read the Psalms, you would go, man, David went through an emotional roller coaster. David's on a high and he's talking about how awesome God is. And then the next day, David's like, God, just kill me. 
I'm done with this life. It's over. I don't want to live anymore. And God's like, what are you complaining about? Everywhere you've been, I've been with you. And so as I say that, I want you to get this point that when God gives us or leads us into the tests and the trials, that God's doing it to develop a perseverance in our faith. Listen, notice David's description of his trial. He says that the people are treacherous without an excuse. In other words, they don't really have a reason to be mean. They don't have a reason to come after him, but they're being treacherous. They're treacherous enemies that are seeking to destroy David, to bring about his, his death and his destruction. And then he says in verse 19 that the foes are many in number and hate David with violence. Like the one thing you can say about American Christianity right now and the freedoms that we have in the United States is this, right? That we don't have the persecution that is going on in most places around the world. In other words, we don't have people who are waiting outside the doors or trying to get in the doors to come in here and to destroy each one of us or to stop us from worshiping. When we were in Romania, we would we'd go on, on the mission trip and we would have Sunday service and, and Romania is it's, it's a really neat culture. I mean, it's the old communist bloc country, but at the same time, it's tried to kind of get into the European mindset and things like that. But the Romanian Orthodox priest, because this is the old communist country, that was the only approved religious type stuff in Romania. The Romanian Orthodox priest will stand out the, uh, outside the only evangelical church that we would go and work with, and they would stand out and they would shame everybody. Like as you were going in, they would be like, shame, shame, that's wrong. You're because it wasn't the Romanian Orthodox Church, which was the only church approved by the Romanian government. Any other church was outside. And so there was persecution in that. As a matter of fact, one of the kids, one, I say kid, good grief, he's now in his 40s. Um, but one of the guys we worked with, his name's Christy. And Christy, I love Christy. Christy would... Um, like, uh, if you think I drive fast, if you were to ever to drive with me, um, you, you don't understand fast. Christy would go, I smashed the gas. That's what you say. I smashed the gas. Um, and then he would take off. And I remember doing like 120 kilometers an hour down this like two lane Romanian road. And I'm like, Christy, bro, you're going a little fast. He's like, no, no, we good. <laughs> and, but Christy's dad was in and out of jail because he was arrested multiple times because he was a pastor in Romania. Spent years in prison apart from his family. And so when I talk about this idea, when David is laying this out, listen, people were after David, and thankfully right now, obviously we don't have that, but David is saying, listen, in the midst of a trial that you face, in the midst of the difficulties that you're going to go through, never forget the Lord will not put you to shame. It doesn't mean you're not going to go through the trials. But listen, God will never shame you in the midst of those trials. God will always bring about your perseverance in the faith that he wants to strengthen you, he wants to uphold you. And so it's this idea that I seek God in the hard times, no matter the reason for the trial that I'm going through, that I'm always seeking after the Lord. And listen, here's, here's what's, what's unbelievable as you unpack this. If you'll notice when we, I said this a little bit earlier, but sometimes our trials are a result of our sin. David doesn't necessarily confess and, and, and a blatant sin, but David comes and he goes, God, forgive me of the sins of my youth. Like, forget those things that, that happened in the past. And God, and, and he does it on, in multiple occasions. If you look at verse seven, he says, remember not the sins of my youth. Then he goes on to verse 11, for the sake of your name, O Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is what? Great. 
So David's acknowledging his sinfulness before God, and he's going through these tests and these trials, and he says over and over and over again, God, at the forefront of everything I go, I don't want sin to be the thing that leads me through the storm. I don't want to look at you in a sinful way. I don't want to look at your deliverance in ways that aren't going to help me out or develop that perseverance. And so when I think of past sins, the sins I made when I was younger, the whole idea that David's getting to is this, that as you think of those sins, you draw closer to God. See, the reality is this. The more we acknowledge our sin, the more we see our sin, the closer you should get to Jesus. But here's the struggle. Here's how it oftentimes works in our lives. The more I realize my sin, the more I deal with and want to be in my sin, the farther I push away from God. It's like, no, no, I'm good. I got it. Just let me have my stuff over here and let me have my fun over here and let me deal with this. When the reality is when I recognize that I'm a sinner, then I draw closer to God. And here's the crazy thing. That three-letter word in today's society is one that most people, a lot of people that I talk with don't even want to acknowledge. Who are you to tell me I'm a sinner? Who are you to tell me I'm wrong? Who are you? Listen, none of this is based upon my thought process. This is based upon what God's word says, that all of us are sinners All of us are separated from God as a result of our sin, but God has made a way, a path. And that's only through the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. So let every trial and every difficulty be something that you use to examine your heart. So you can write that down. When you're going through it, I need to examine my heart when I go through the trials. Here's number two I want you to see. In every trial, we need to seek the Lord and his wisdom. As I go through a trial, I seek answers, not from everybody else, but from God and his wisdom. In other words, when I go through a trial, it should really push me closer to Jesus as a result of my sin and deeper into his word. When I get deeper into his word, then I can walk through the trial or the difficulty or the struggle in a way that's godly, in a way that God is going to strengthen me. He's going to guard me. He's going to walk me through the process. But here's here's the truth. We don't like that, do we? Most of us, have this idea that I just got to carry it. I just got to do it on my own. And so no matter your trials, you go and you seek the Lord for wisdom. And as I seek the Lord, I confess my sin in my life that is exposed because that's exactly what he does. He exposes the sin that's within us and he shows us the right way. For your name's sake, listen to what he says in verse 11. We go right back to it in chapter 25, verse 11. He says, for the sake of your name, O Lord, I want you to know that every trial, every difficulty, every struggle, every twist and turn that goes on in life, God is using to give you an opportunity to proclaim the name of Jesus to everyone else around you. That when you go through a storm, when you go through a twist or a turn that you would have never envisioned, God says, listen, I've got got you. Right? We used to sing this song, right? He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole, right? We, we go through that whole song. But how often do we forget it? 
When you and I are going through the storms of life, when you and I get the twists and turns, when, when life doesn't turn out the way we thought it was, listen, God has you in his hands. That's why I need to seek the wisdom of the Lord. That's why I go after and see you. What is it you're trying to teach me? What are you showing me? Why are you teaching me this, God? Is there any sin in my life that I need to confess so I can be on the same page? And then here's the last thing, number three. As we go through the twists and turns, we have to remember the truth of who God is. Now, this is the characteristics that I believe that David shows us. And one of the beauties about the characteristics of God is if you were to go through Scripture, matter of fact, I would even challenge you to do this, that as you're reading through Scripture, keep in a journal or a notebook and write down God's characteristics. Because honestly, I gave us four, and there's actually six words that are in there. There are a lot of characteristics just in Psalm 25 that talk about who God is and what God does and why He is the way He is. But I want to focus on these right here. Number one, that God is good and upright. Listen to what he says. Going back to verse eight, it says, Good, this is David. He's acknowledged his sin. He calls God good in verse seven. And then he comes and he says it again Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. I want you to get that statement of what's going on. Good and upright. God is good. We sang that song last time. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. Matter of fact, when I was growing up, we used to say that when somebody joined the church, the, the, the pastor would get up and he'd say, God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. The people would say it back. And it was like, oh, okay, that was, that was one of those things. But I want you to think about that. When you're going through a storm, do you sit back and go, man, God's good? Man, when I'm around those types of people, they're a huge blessing and encouragement. But I'll also be honest with you. There's been times where I'm like, you know what? Forget this. Why? Because I'm going through a crazy time in life, and I think, oh, man. But when I change my perspective based upon the character of God. Because what I've done is I've invited God into my trial. I've invited God or I'm following God as he leads me through the trial. This idea is this, that when I realize that he is good and upright, that means that he's not gonna lead me in a way that destroys me. Why? Because he's not gonna set up, he's not set up setting us up for shame, but he's setting us up for his good name. So God is good and upright. He seeks the good of his kingdom and the good of his people. He is the supreme definition of goodness. So that is number one, God's character. He is good, he is good and upright. Number two is this, that he instructs us. He instructs us. Listen to what he says. Sorry, I, number two is he's our guide. I messed that up. He guides us. <laughs> Verse nine, he guides us. He guides the humble in what is right. Now, there's a key word in there that oftentimes we overlook, but it says he guides the what? Humble. Humility is the very essence of who Jesus was if we look at Philippians chapter 2. It says in humility he considered others better than himself. That, that, that word to have that same attitude of Christ. And so it says that he guides the humble. A humble person admits they don't know everything. A humble person admits that they're not 
God. A humble person admits that they don't have the power to overcome the twists and turns of life. And so in humility, God guides us. A humility or a humble person says, I don't know the way, right? I used that a couple weeks ago about men. We don't like to ask for directions. Now, phones honestly have bailed us out to a certain extent, unless the phone's wrong. Every now and then the phone's just a little wrong, but not often, right? But for men, the phones, I don't know, maybe that was God's gift to us, just so we didn't have to look stupid, right? <laughs> but, but, but it gives us humility. Humility sits back and goes, I don't know the way, and I'm willing to ask for directions. And that's exactly what he says. He says he guides the humble in what is right. So David is focusing on this characteristic of God, that he guides us. Do you allow God to guide you day in and day out through the twists and turns of life? Number three, he instructs us. He teaches us. Listen to what he says in verse nine. And he teaches them their way. So he guides them, right? The humility, he guides them, those who are humble, and then he teaches them his ways. And when I look at a twist or a turn, I can begin to go, hey, this is God's way. Right? A long time ago, a couple months ago, we were talking about, you know, Mandalorian, this is the way, this is the way, right? This is exactly what God's saying. Look, I will teach you the way. I will teach you my way. I will focus and lead you and guide you in the direction of everlasting life. So he teaches them. And then I want you to see this. He is loving and faithful. Keep this in mind. Verse 10, all. Matter of fact, everybody say all. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful. When you go through those twists and turns of life, let me ask you this question. Do you look at it and go, man, this is a loving God who has led me in this direction for some unknown reason? Or do you sit back and complain, grumble, gripe, moan, worry, fret, get stressed, anxious? You get the picture, right? Life is full of twists and turns. And as I've looked through Scripture, as you look through the Old Testament, as you read even the New Testament, I would venture to say that most of those individuals, most of those people that, that we see throughout Scripture, their life did not go the direction necessarily that they were envisioning. When Moses ran from Egypt, I'm pretty sure he thought, I'm never going back. And God's like, yeah, well, I got better plans. You're going to go back. And Moses is like, nah, I don't, mm, Really? right? Joseph. I mean, could you imagine Joseph's life? As a matter of fact, we've got a sermon series that we're going to do uh, probably in the fall called Detours on the life of Joseph. We're going to spend seven weeks digging into the life of Joseph. And I want you to think about this. Joseph, the youngest of 12, thrown into slavery, sold into slavery, let me clarify, then thrown into prison, and then somehow rises to the second highest in all of Egypt. Now, you want to talk about twists and turns. For those of you who come maybe from a large family, what if your brothers or sisters sold you off into slavery? I, I know what I do. I'm sorry. I'm just kind of like, check one, check two. I'll get you back, right? And Joseph at the end's like, man, I knew, I knew you guys. I, I knew you had evil intent, but listen, God, God worked it out for good. What man intends for evil, God works for good. And that's important for us to keep 
in mind. Why? Because he is loving and he is faithful and he doesn't want us to be put to shame. And listen, as you think about it this way, when we talk about this idea of shame, sometimes people will look and go, man, if a person loses their life for the sake of Christ, that's going to be shameful when in reality, that's the greatest reward you could ever receive. As you read the book of Revelation, you're going to hear about where it says the voices of those who were martyred will cry out and proclaim the goodness of who Christ is. I believe that those who are martyred for the sake of Christ are going to even have a special place in heaven. Like those people are the people you should look up to. Those people are the ones that you should look and go, man, they're like the Navy SEALs of Christianity, right? Or maybe the Green Berets or Delta Force. I don't know. But those are the people who are saying, listen, no matter what the cost, I'm going to lay down my life for the sake of the gospel. It's easy to get up here and preach in America. How would you do it if you had to go overseas? What if God called you to go overseas? Remember, God is loving and he is faithful. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 says, whoever does not love God does not know God because God is love. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, God is faithful. Who has called you into his fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord? And then I want to give you a couple more that are not on your sheet. Number five is this, he guards our lives. He guards our lives. Listen, he goes before us and he guards us and he guides us. Do you realize that the Lord is always on guard around you? And a matter of fact, the, 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 the truth is that God guards us and he guards us by sending his son. Listen to what Philippians chapter four says. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now listen, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's the idea of what he's laying out, that he guards us, that he guards us against crazy thoughts of what the world says when we go through the twists and turns of life. Second Thessalonians chapter three, but the Lord is faithful. We just talked about that. And he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. God is always on duty, always on guard. And then the last thing is this, he rescues us from trials and sins. Listen, verse 20, he says, guard my life and rescue me. Let me not be put to shame for I take refuge in you, which in reality, if we were talking really specific things, this is this, this verse, matter of fact, this whole chapter, if you were to break out the Hebrew Bible, I could bring mine out here. Every verse starts with a different Hebrew alphabet letter. There's 22 Hebrew letters. There's 22 verses. Each one starts so it's like A, B, C, D, just like we would have, right? But 22 letters. And I believe it's this way, that I believe that God wants to use the simple things as an alphabet to teach us the truth of who God is and what God wants us to do in the midst of the twists and turns. What is the simplest thing we teach our kids? The ABCs, right? And it's almost as if God, using David, says, I'm knocking on your heart and trying to teach you the ABCs of walking through life. That if you'll keep this in mind, that you will not be put to shame, but that you will flourish even in the midst of the trials and the struggles. Listen, 
when we play this out, this idea of him rescuing me, I want you to think about it this way. In verse five, it says this, guide me in your truth and teach me for you are God, my savior, and my hope is in you all day long. And he goes on and he begins to say how God removes the sins and untangles his feet and all of those things. When we think about this idea of rescue us, all we have to think about is this, that Jesus is our rescue, that he rescues us first from our sins, and then he delivers us into a life, what he says is a life more abundant. So as you walk through the trials, we always need to be reminded that Jesus is our rescue, that Jesus is the one that saves us. That Jesus is the one in the midst of our sin forgives us. That he paid the price that we couldn't pay ourselves on the cross. And he went to to the cross and he bore our sins and he dies and he's buried and yet he rises again. So listen, the twists and turns of life are full of chaos. They're full of pain. They're full of agony. They're full of struggle but they're also full of joy. They're full of peace. They're full of hope when you follow Jesus. If you try and go through life on your own, apart from Christ, and you try and go through the storms and the trials, you try and go through the twists and turns, all I can say is you're going to struggle. And maybe even as a believer, you'd sit back and say, man, I struggle right now. Then you need to understand the power of Psalm 25. And begin to let God's character infiltrate your heart and to lead you through those times. Let's pray. Father, you are good. And we know that you are good because you sent us a good, a great, a perfect gift in your son, Jesus. And God, I'm reminded of 2 Timothy chapter 4 that says, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. God, may we understand that you have rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and you have brought us into a kingdom of the Son that you love, Jesus, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. God, may we be people who walk in obedience. May we not be put to shame, but God, may we cry out to you. May we acknowledge our sin. And God, just as I think about Scripture where it says, as far as the east is from the west, may you remove that sin from us when we confess it so that we can walk with great hope and expectation to accomplish all that you've called us to do in the midst of every trial and every storm and every difficulty we face. It's in Jesus' name I pray.